Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Ask the Coach Show, the show where we answer your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and with me as always is Super Coach Alois Rosero. Good morning, Alois. Morning, Jeff. How are you this morning? I'm good. I love this music at the start. <laughs> it's great. I'll turn it you on now so we can hear you. Um, sorry, what was that? That's not you on the uh, on the guitar or on the on the keyboard, is it? Uh, definitely not. No. <laughs> oh dear. So yesterday, Alois, our Pink Stars question of the day was: Should table tennis players use the tennis grip on their racket? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, interesting. I'm not really 100% sure now. Um, like I've always said, no. Um, but you know, I think at, an, at an advanced level, it gives you a little bit more flexibility to do a few different things with your with your racket. Certainly, I reckon at the beginner level, this is important so that you start to get the feel of where the racket head is. But at an advanced level, here's just a thought. You know, maybe now to just generate some more speed and some more spin, they can start to get that racket out a little bit further um, and really whip the whip the bat through. I mean, they, they're already whipping the bat through really fast on on their strokes. Um, you know, maybe this will add a little bit. And on the on the um, short play and to and to do a few different things with your wrist um, by having that, I wonder. I wonder if some of the top players will start to experiment with that sort of thing as well. Very interesting, Alois. Um, we're yet to see it though, aren't we? I mean, I can't think of any player that uses that grip. Um, person had a slightly strange grip, didn't he? But um, still, it's an interesting thought there. Well, let's keep an eye out and see if anyone does start using it. Yeah, but but certainly I reckon at the at the beginner level, I think this is imp still important because and when you're learning, because otherwise you don't have um, a good understanding of where your racket head is, and um, it, it's going to change too much during your strokes, and and you won't be able to adapt to it. But but at that top level, hmm, not mm. sure. I'm going to say at the top level it's going to stay as it is because I don't think, you know, the speed and the spin is really a problem. I mean, they get around that slightly with the pen hold serve by modifying the grip anyway, so I don't think that's a real problem. The way they can flick their wrist through with that backhand flip is not a problem. Um, so, And then at the table, the amount of speed and spin they generate now is incredible. But I guess we always say that and then, you know, later on it gets faster and faster. So... Maybe you're right, but I'm going to disagree with you here on this one, Alice. All right. Let's get on to the Pink Steelers question for today. And it is, when should local clubs start using the plastic balls? Okay, so uh, leave your comments in the notes and we'll give you our thoughts on the next show on Monday. All right, Alice, now we've got some uh, questions. First up from Jasper. And Jasper asks, I wonder how often I need to change my racket if I take care of it. Okay. Yeah, good question. And this is one we get quite a lot. Um, so the thing that wears out on the racket is the rubber. 
Okay, so the, the rubber usually wears out first. The actual wood or the blade, as we call it, can last for years and years and years um, without um, decreasing in performance very much at all. So, back down, Lois, how long did you have your blade for? Yeah, the, the previous blade I had, I, I had for 21 years. Um, I've, I wasn't playing competitively um, towards the end of it, but um, yeah, and no, I used it. I used it for a long time, um, and yeah, I mean, they tend to soften up a little bit, but you don't really notice it over time. Um, so the wood you can use for for ages. So don't really think about trying to change your, your blade over too often. Um, the rubber though does wear out. Um, I mean, as a guide, you know, 80 hours to 100 hours of play if you're if you're doing a lot of strong um, top spin type strokes, I think is is a reasonably good guide. I mean, some will last longer, some will last less. I mean, the top players still change their rubbers pretty often because they want um, that new rubber um, touch and feel um, all the time. But yeah, for the humble club club player that has to actually pay for their uh, pay for their rubber, that gets pretty expensive. So so. I mean, try to stretch it out as long as you can, 80 hours, 100 hours, you know, maybe even more if you look after it. How do you look after it? The best way is to just wipe the, um, the bat down with, uh, with a damp sponge after you use it. Uh, just keep the dust and dirt off it as much as you can. Um, the other really important one is to make sure you keep it away from, from um, heat or sunlight. If you, if you leave it in the car once with, um, with a lot of heat, basically the rubber will be gone. Um, the rubber just um, really disintegrates um, if you do that. So, so really make sure that you do that. And having a back cover um, is usually good, um, just to protect it from the heat a little bit, um, and to protect it from the dust uh, when you're not using it. So, so that's often a good idea, just to just to get a back cover. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good points there, Alice. Now. What happens after that 80 or 100 hours? Once the rubber starts wearing out, you know, can I stretch it out or is it actually going to affect my game? I mean, I know it's always a matter of finances too, what you can afford, but assuming you can afford to get a new one, what, what's the disadvantage of keeping it for like 160 hours? Yeah, so the, the, main, thing, the main thing is it loses its grip. That's the first thing. So um, it's hard to demonstrate here, um, but... If I rub the ball on the surface there, it's gripping quite a lot. Um, yep. But um, if it's um, if it's dead, it'll basically just slide across your rubber. So okay, so that's obviously going to impact my play quite significantly. Yeah, exactly. So so then when you when you're trying to grip the ball, it's not going to really grip. It's going to slide off, and you're not going to be able to generate as much spin, especially with your top spin strokes and your serving. So um, yeah, so that's that's the real impact of playing trying to play with dead rubber. Yeah. So I guess the more serious you are, the more you should focus on that and and try and budget for new rubbers. I guess it becomes important that you don't just use the same rubber. You know, from you know, 160 playing hours. Then, yeah. All right. And then one other question about that: um, the blade doesn't wear out, but what about with pre-made bats? Um, it can be hard to get those rubbers off to start with. Yeah, depending depending on the quality of the pre-made bat, um, 
some of the pre-made bats, the, the wood is really soft. Um, and when you try to take the sponge off, you're basically going to disintegrate the, the blade as well. So as long as you've got a reasonably decent um, sort of quality of uh, bat, of blade, then you can use it for a long time. Okay, yeah. So the only trick with the pre-made is often they use a really strong glue. So as you're taking it off, you may need to get some solvent or something to get that last bit of glue and sponge off. Okay, thanks for the question, Jasper. All right, the next question, Alois, is from Mark. And Mark says, it's clear that you guys have mastered all the shots, the forehand and backhand blocks, the top spins, loops, flips and chops. But for the club player, should we focus on the few shots we are strong at or should we try to master all the shots? Yeah, so I think um, there's, there's some basics that you need to, to master. So um, the forehand counter hit, backhand counter hit, forehand topspin against a block ball, backhand topspin against a block ball, the push on both the forehand and the backhand, and probably even the chop on the forehand and backhand, um, and then the topspin against the backspin ball as well. So if someone pushes the ball long to you to be able to make the top spin on that stroke. So I think they're your basics. Um, then you can start to think about things like the short push. So if the ball's short, whether you're going to push it or flick it. Um, so playing off the short ball is probably the next step um, with the strokes. But but certainly those those eight, uh, eight to ten strokes to start off with, um, it's important that you are able to do them. Otherwise, it's going to, it's going to leave too big a gap in your game. So, you know, if you can't um, if you can't make a top spin ball, then um, it's going to really impact on the level of, of the game that you can reach. Yeah. So for the top spin, obviously, you you need to hit the ball fast. You need to get a lot of top spin so you get that dip. So that's important. I guess if someone plays a back spin ball, if you can't top spin that one yet, that means you're going to be limited to a push return. So they're the ways that the strokes can limit you, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And and pushing pushing is really important too, um, especially at the at the club level because a lot of players, you know, play with awkward spins and and things. And, and if you can't push the ball back when they put some backspin on it to you, um, then you'll you'll also be in a lot of trouble as far as just being able to control the ball in the early part of the rally. Okay, so pretty much then, Alois, it's important to learn all the basic strokes, really. Yeah, it is. It is. Otherwise, as, as we said, um, it's just going to leave too big a gap in your game. Okay, excellent. All right, well, thanks for that question, Mark. Now, this next question is not one of those basic shots, Alois, but um, Parkash has asked us, can you please explain the angles required to execute the banana flip <laughs> on a low serve with large backspin and moderate side spin. Yeah, so so with the backspin um, ball, you basically need to open your angle up a little bit more to make the banana flick. So the banana flick looks like this. So you come in uh, with your elbow and you really use your wrist and rip around and up on the ball. So if it's got more top spin, you can um, turn your bat over. If it's got more backspin, you need to have your bat more open and more of an angle to to counteract the backspin. So the backspin is going to tend to drag the ball down. If you have your bat like that, the ball is going to drag down 
too much. So that's why you need to open the angle of your racket and make the banana flick stroke. So yeah, interesting there, Alice. And one other tip that I think is important against someone with heavy backspin is to get that bat moving fast. Yes, yes, certainly. If you if you if you're coming through too slowly, again, the ball will drag down off your bat really quickly. So so the banana flick tends to get your bat moving pretty fast because you're utilising your wrist and and whipping it through. So um, yeah, that's why that's why a lot of the top players are finding that banana flick really effective um, against uh, basically all types of serves. It's like a side spin backhand loop over the table, really. So the bat's got to come through really fast. You've got to get a brushing contact. I mean, it really is a difficult stroke, isn't it? It is. It's a. It, it is a. It is a difficult stroke, and certainly uh, not one of those basic strokes, as you said, Jeff. Um, but it's something that you can start to think about as you as you reach club level and and um, and regional level. Yeah, well, at the top level, it's become really popular and it's played a lot, and it seems to be very effective. Yeah, it's um, it's basically played off every every short ball now. So uh, yeah, it is can be really effective. Indeed. All right, thank you, Parkash. All right, now the next question is from Gavish, who asks, "I am 13. I've started to play table tennis. Could I play?" International table tennis tournaments. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, the first. Firstly, there are a lot more international tournaments available at the junior level, but it's important that you go up through the grades. So, the first and most important thing is to make sure you join a club. Um, once you join a club, then you'll start to um, see what's available as far as the levels. You know, playing in a competition, um, an intra club competition, so a pennant or a, or a fixtures type of competition weekly is important. Then you can start to think about playing some tournaments at the, the local and the state or regional level and then national level. You know, one, Then once you get through that and get to the national level, then you can start to think about playing international tournaments. So, so first up, you know, make sure you get to that club, join the club, play regular competition, Start to play some state level um, tournaments, and then you can start to progress to that international international level of tournament. Okay, very good. Hopefully that helps you out, Gavish. And um, yeah, follow that progression. It's really important. And anyone that hasn't joined a club at the moment, get to a club, join a club. It's the best thing you can do for your table tennis. Yeah. And right. No. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Just, yeah, so just uh, talking about the um, junior international tournaments, the uh, the final of the world teams, uh, world junior teams championships was on just uh, yesterday or the day before, depending on where you are. And uh, yeah, no interesting results there. Yeah, no surprises really. Um, finals for both the boys and the girls was China playing Japan, and again, no surprises. China three nil in the boys. China three nil in the girls and um, and in the boys um, yeah Japan didn't take a game so it was uh, they were all three nils there were a couple of close games um, so one of the players that we saw at the Australian Junior Championships um, oh so the Australian Open Championships Asuka Sakai played um, in uh, in that match as the um, 
as Japan's uh, one of Japan's singles players, but uh, went down to Liang Jinkun. And I don't I don't really know many of these the young Chinese players, but I'm sure you know with um, with time some of these uh, some of the players there are going to be uh, top players in the world as well. I have no doubt about that. Indeed, yes, they're always very good um, coming through. Um, and and they come through at a young age, like Fan Zidong now is superstar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, so watch go go and check out the results of the um, the World Junior Championships. It's still on at the moment, so they're into the singles and doubles events now. So uh, yeah, the teams just finished, but uh, yeah, some some interesting res results and uh, and good to see the the players of the future coming through. Absolutely excellent to watch. Very good. All right. Well, that wraps up our shows for the week. Alois, another good week of shows. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Get to the website, pingskills.com. Check out all our videos. Sign up for our free newsletter. All of our all of our shows here are on our blog, so you can find that at pingskills.com slash tabletennisblog. So check all those out. You can leave comments to the Pingskills questions of the days there or anything about the show. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thank you, Alloys. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. And here comes the weekend. Here comes lots of table tennis. Bye.